Yes, folks, it's Thursday. I'm Fred McMurray. It's 2 p.m. Pacific, which means this much be... Wow, I kind of garbled that one. This must be... Well, Kristen, we're back again. We are. We have a penguin with, no, is that a bulldog with a top hat? Yep, Dancing bulldog with a, my shoulder. yep, <laughs> dancing bulldog. How's that for you? How's that something different for you this week? Yes, yes, excellent, excellent. So what's the news, what's the news in the franchising world? Oh my goodness, we have so much great stuff coming up today. We have a new franchise or in franchise development um, leader we're going to be talking to today. We have been working with our new mentee, Tara, on um, her new uh, adventure. Uh, she and I just had a nice conversation and I sent her a list of things that we need to collect from the franchisor and from her new business partner. So we're getting things together there uh, in terms of when you decide to be a partner in an existing franchise, uh, when you join one that's existing, I should say, how does that look? Do you have to join as a new franchisee? Does the term of the agreement start all over again? And uh, we're also looking at what does the operating management uh, agreement look like? So we understand whose duties are uh, what in the relationship and who is responsible for which roles and things of that nature, how everybody's going to be paid, etc. So we've got a lot to report on probably in the next couple of weeks as we find answers to those things. And certainly we're going to use David and Jerry and, and Ray to uh, share the information and make sure we kind of use a team approach and make sure there's nothing I'm missing or that I haven't thought of um, that maybe one of the gentlemen have thought of in guiding Tara to the right answers. So. That's where we are with the mentee program. We do have a couple more people who have um, signed up and are interested in the program as well. And we wanna remind everybody that if you're looking to buy a franchise, please visit our homepage at pillarsoffranchising.com where we have a mentee section where you can sign up if you're interested in being uh, a mentee on the program while you're looking for a franchise. So, hmm, I know that you said that hmm. there's others in the potential mentees going to be starting rumor uh, yeah. a little bird or a little dog dancing dog told me that there might actually be somehow and this is really jumping the shark oh sorry i missed the, the shark this is really jumping the shark um that there might actually be a startup franchisor in the mix that is true. That is true. I have had um, some conversation and we have a meeting scheduled with uh, both a franchise lawyer, one of our um, favorite um, franchise lawyers, Harold. Harold, 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 yay. Harold. So we've got a call coming up and this, uh, this uh, potential franchisor and I are going to meet next week and talk about what it takes to take her business from what it is today and become a franchisor. So we have a wow. lot of exciting stuff coming up. So since whoever generated this, the million-dollar mentor franchisee, mentor, sorry, can't even get it out right. Um, since this idea was generated last year, wow, we, you've gone from like a bunch of uh, mentees to now even a franchisor. Wow, that's 
not bad. Kudos to you and the team. Well, I'll have to tell you, it's really the team because as everybody knows, not one person can get all this done. And it's really not only the background and knowledge of everybody else, but the experience and everybody's willingness to share and work together that makes this team so great. So, um, you know, I certainly wouldn't take credit for that. It would, it would go to everybody because the guys I work with on this, on this team, especially you, Fred, and getting us the exposure um, to get our names out there and our skill sets out there is really important. So I feel really confident in what we're looking to do today and in the future. And so uh, I think there's nowhere to go but up at this point. So, so it would be like today, franchisee mentor, mentees, tomorrow, franchisor mentors, mentees, and the next day, the world? Never mind. <laughs> you know, I'm not that. Um, what's the word? I'm a little more modest right <laughs> yeah but sure, why not why not i mean covey said begin with the end in mind so hey let's let's own the franchise or franchising world right okay never mind. there you go there so you go. shall we t shall we bring our guests in so we can talk yeah, about weather yeah, yeah i, I want to do that and and then ray can and ray can introduce us to our guys that we're talking to today it's very exciting this new concept so fantastic and away we go there you all are. Hi, Ray. Do, do we want to talk about weather? <laughs> I always wow. want to talk about weather, but you know. Uh, well, it's it's hot. It's hot here in uh, the western part of the Chicagoland area. It's not. It's ninety hot. degrees. It's... Okay, it's eighty-four. Says Apple. <laughs> well, it's ninety here. You're a little closer to the uh, water over there at the, at the big pond. Listen, you're like 10 pond. miles south, and that does not qualify for, for putting you closer to the equator. <laughs> yeah, technically that does. I mean, technically 10 miles. miles south is, if you got to walk an extra 10 miles, he's close. Yeah. Yeah. Barefoot, both ways. Through the snow, <laughs> Ray I'll would be happy. Yes, I'll, I'll, I'll introduce both our guests, and... Uh, and then we'll ask them about the weather and where they're at. Okay, so we have, first of all, Nicholas Dugan. And Nick is uh, uh, fresh blood into the world of franchising with a degree in biology and a background in restaurants and real estate. He also likes to tutor students of all ages through college, loves technology and travel and history. And um, Brian, um, uh, Brian Weinstein, is uh he's the founder and ceo of barbie clean and an experienced leader in the grilling industry he has a distinct background in business ownership and franchising brian created barbie clean a franchise barbecue cleaning service when he noticed how dirty his barbecue was and and, and, and i can relate to that <laughs> after searching for a good cleaner and not finding one, he decided to start his own company. Brian is an experienced leader in the grilling and franchise industry. So welcome to the show, guys. And Thanks for having us. Where you're at and wait, wait, Ray. Great question for you. Is it Brian or is it Brian Brian? I'm not sure because it sounded like you said both. Never mind. Brian? Well, you Brian. said Brian Brian originally, so I was commenting of, did you mean just one Brian, oh, okay. Brian or is it Brian uh, squared? Well, maybe I said it twice. I'm, I apologize if I did. 
Somebody's got to catch no on these just things. Me. Just, just one Brian. Just one Brian. <laughs> and thanks for having us. You guys got to know, our show is full of gaffes, and we don't hide them. Yeah. <laughs> no problem. No problem. We're here. So, Brian, here where are like you? And you're being photobombed, so where are you at? Brian? Yeah, yeah. What's going on? I Love am it. in sunny Southern California, in Irvine, California. Uh, my 14-year-old son is in the middle of a baseball tournament, and I am out here. Uh, enjoying the sun, enjoying the baseball, and uh, again, thanks for having me and Nick, and uh, we look forward to a, a good uh, meeting today. Awesome. Nick, where are you? Uh, just 20, 20, 25 miles south of Bryan, San Clemente, California. Um, my parents live down here. My sister's graduating today, so we're just going to go do that little ceremony and um, probably do some barbecuing later today. Awesome. Nice. awesome. But how right. cool will your grill be? Well, we yeah we appreciate you guys taking a little time out of your busy schedule and uh, you know visiting with us. Thanks for having us. Okay, so I have to tell you a few of the things that um, I've experienced in my years of barbecuing. So I used to be the one that barbecued in the family, and I've since been replaced, which is probably a good thing. So. <laughs> I remember at one point opening the barbecue and, and yes, we have quite long winters here in Chicago and finding a bird's nest with eggs inside of it and thinking, how do you deal with that? Right? So it's one thing to like get the nest and the eggs out, but it's another thing to deal with everything that, you know, that's been going on inside the grill. Right. Yeah, um, yeah. And then I've had those experiences where we were up at Dewey Lake and I know Dale on Dewey is one of our favorite listeners and we uh, were next door and we turned the grill on and all of a sudden flames went shooting up through the grill and almost into the house, into the garage. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, and I think that was due to like some extra grease that nobody bothered to clean up. So, <laughs> so that's the type of person that you're talking to as we talk to talk about barbecue cleaning today. I, yeah, I think I need to hire you as my director of marketing. Uh, because those two things are um, are, are uh, two of the things that we look for and talk to with our customers. As far as the, the bird's nest go, we actually see more rat's nest, which is even more disgusting. But um, it, it's the truth. But it makes sense, right? A, a, a barbecue is a warm place with old food. I mean, why wouldn't you a rat? That's where I'd want to be. Um, but yeah, no, so our, our, our cleaning process, uh, kind of the secret weapon of it is, is a steam cleaner. So we come through there with you know, 30, 340 degree water at 90 PSI and, and really disinfect the whole inside of that grill. Um, you know, whether or not there was a rat or not in there, it, it, it's completely disinfected. We don't feel bad uh, about cooking on it again uh, after a good cleaning is done. Um, as for the second instance you brought up, I, I did read a stat, I think it's an old stat from 2019 actually, there were 180,000 barbecue fires in the United States. Oh, um, and that's simply a result of neglect and, and the fact that the barbecue hasn't been cleaned, service taken care of. It could be that the burners are in there incorrectly and, and causing a kickback. It could be that the burners are clogged. It could be that there's just so much junk underneath there that get in the way of the barbecue doing what it needs to do um, that it kicks back towards the towards the chef. And so um, all those things um, are, are good reasons to have a barbecue clean serviced uh, by someone like Barbie Queen. Awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I got one barbecue story to tell, and hopefully I can get this through this quickly. A, a neighbor went out on a vacation and left said to his neighbor's his other neighbor's son can you watch the house 
Well, that son said, decided he's going to have a barbecue on the house he's watching, went over there, put barbecue briquettes in the, in the grill, and lit it on fire, okay? And then they decided it wasn't working right, so they just left it all. Mm-hmm. The grill caught on fire and burnt down a million-dollar home. <laughs> because it was a gas grill. Yep. I was going to say, and then they turned on the gas. <laughs> oh my yep. God, I can't believe it. Well, you, you just mentioned one of the 180,000 that I talked about a second ago. Yep. <laughs> it happened. Yeah. It happens. It happens. Wow. So tell me, where do you guys see um, Barbie Clean? Because, um, you know, it's interesting when you think about home service and Ray and I are in the home services industry, right? right. So where do you see Barbie Clean fitting into that segment, right? You've got window cleaners, you've got maids, you've got landscapers. Yeah, I mean, all, all of those things that you just mentioned and all the other home services are simply items that need to be done around the house that homeowners don't want to do themselves. And, and so we're, we're really no different in terms of um, that description than, than anybody else. I, I don't necessarily compare us to the home cleaners, but I definitely compare us to the window cleaners, the carpet cleaners, because um, it's not a you know weekly or, or bi-monthly type service. It's more every six months or every year just okay. like window cleaning or carpet cleaning. Um, the only difference is window cleaning, carpet cleaning has been around 25, 30, 40 years, right? And, and a homeowner knows that if they were to do an internet search for barbecue cleaning or window, I'm sorry, for window cleaning or carpet cleaning, they're going to find somebody to do it for them. They'll probably find three, four, 500 people that do that. Um, whereas in the barbecue industry, most people don't have any idea that our service exists. And so um, that actually makes it more fun for me and for my franchisees because it puts the onus on us uh, to really get eyeballs on the opportunity uh, to have their barbecue clean rather than do it themselves. And, and so we spend a lot of time with, you know, the advertising. I talk about, it's more about advertising than marketing because advertising is strictly about building awareness. And that, that's more uh, of what we need to do in our, in our industry. But like I said, uh, the, the, the carpet cleaning and the window cleaning has been around 30 years. So, Right. Uh, you know, I, I've been around eight, nine. Um, I, I think maybe f- some mom and pops have been around maybe a little bit longer, but not much. So mm-hmm. I'm super excited to see where this industry is, you know, five, 10, 20 years down the road. If we're 10% of what the window cleaning and carpet cleaning industry is, uh, we're going to have some serious market share. And that, that excites me very much. That's awesome. Now, when you uh, sell your territories, do you do mm-hmm. that uh, like geographic location? Do you do it on a qualified household? Tell me how you set up your, your territories or your areas. Yeah, good question. Um, our territories consist of approximately 100,000 homes greater than a $50,000 a year annual household income. Uh, the, realize, the, the reason I added that kind of income qualifier is because, uh, I don't know if you mentioned, I'm a franchisee in another business that goes strictly on population. And here I may be in beautiful Irvine, uh, but the city right next door to me um, is not such a nice city. And obviously the less, the not so nice cities are more populous. So it didn't seem right for me as the franchisor to give someone a territory where a good percentage of their territory is not so nice. And so I put that income qualifier uh, in there um, and frankly, you know, I, I could pay to have territories created across the country, um, but I kind of put it in the hands of, of the incoming franchisee to help me build a territory uh, that they think that uh, they can be successful in. And, and so I don't have set territories. It's something where a prospective franchisee and I will sit down with the mapping software and uh-huh. we'll create something, that, you know, right around that 100,000 home number. 
um, that they think they could be successful in, and that I think that they could be successful in as well. I think that's really interesting because one of the first things I thought of, and I was, I think I was mentioning to you, Ray, is that um, you know, two things. One, it seems like this is a great product for the environments that tend to have, not that they wouldn't work here in Chicago, because after you come out of a long, hard winter, who knows what you find in your grill, unless yes. you're like me who grills in the snow. Um, but most common, I would think, are those areas that can enjoy outdoor living year round um, and, and be really a more affluent um, type of customer seems as though they would be someone to really enjoy your type of service. Is that accurate or? Yeah, I mean, in the end, it's a disposable income opportunity, right? If, if someone's on a budget, they're not going to throw a couple hundred dollars uh, to getting their barbecue cleans. Uh, it's the people that have a few extra hundred dollars to, to throw at it and, and want their grill clean for the next time they cook on it. So uh, you're right in that case. As for seasonality, you know, it's kind of interesting, and obviously we have this conversation with all prospective franchisees, and that's, um, to me, every home service business has some some level of seasonality, and frankly, yep. my my Miami and my Phoenix franchisee, they have a little bit of reverse seasonality, right? You, most mm -hmm. people think of seasonality as winter. Guys in Miami and, and, and Phoenix don't want to go outside in July and August, and so <laughs> yeah. um, it's, a, it's a little bit it's a little bit different. So yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, even here in Southern California, we get you know ten good months out of the year, but you know you, you could look at you know that those extra two months is downtime, or you could look at it as opportunity time. I just look, look yeah. at it as opportunity time gives us gives me and my franchisees an opportunity to work on our business uh, when we're not so busy, kind of focusing on the day to day. Uh, kind of building the business from within and, and seeing where we could get where we can start again uh, once the weather turns and you know in our case you know middle of February in your case maybe March or April but you know those downtimes are, are, are yeah or May but those you know those kind of opportunity times are just as important to the business as the as the high times. Yeah, personally, I, I grill in, in single digit weather. It, it's when it's too windy when it takes sucks the heat from the grill that's hard yeah. to do. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah. So how did you get into this whole industry of barbecue cleaning? I mean, obviously you had stated that it, you know, after looking at your own grill, um, you know, it was like, okay, something's got to be done. And, and, and Nick, I mean, I know he's new, but he had some experience in restaurants. So that seems like it would be a really good um, kind of tie in there for the two of you. Yeah. And, and, and I'll start, but you've probably heard it a thousand times that the necessity is the mother of invention. Um, I went out to my own grill and it was filthy and called, went and did an internet search. Again, I'm in Southern California, 20 something million people. I did an internet search for barbecue cleaning. And there was one guy doing it. And, and rather than having him come out to clean it, I saw it as an opportunity to start my own business um, around kind of a niche opportunity. And uh, it's turned out really well. Uh, I've enjoyed it. Um, I enjoy, uh, I was a marketing major. So that is fun trying to, to, to get, like I said earlier, eyeballs on the opportunity. Um, and it's kind of the same when we're recruiting franchisees. Um, nobody really had ever heard or thought of uh, barbecue cleaning as, as a business opportunity. So it, you yeah. know, it's incumbent upon Nick and myself, not only to get people to understand that we're here, but to, to convince them and, and help them understand that, um, you know, being in a niche business like this some, has its great advantages over, you know, jumping on in a, in a industry that's uh, well established. And, and so, you know, people a lot of times are scared of the unknown, um, but those people that aren't scared of it and are willing to take it on, um, you know, jump in with two feet, you know, they reap the benefits from it. We've got some really successful franchisees. Yeah, excellent, excellent. 
David, I saw that you had uh, had pinged me. David, I know you're out there. David Kajanek, do you have a question for these gentlemen? Yeah, I was just curious with with territories of a hundred thousand people. That that depends how dense it is, but that could be fairly large territory. How many employees does that typically take to to run a territory of of a busy franchise? Good question. Um, uh, I just want to reiterate, it's 100,000 households, not, not population. So it's 100,000 households. Um, you know, those numbers go back. It's the 2010 census because we haven't had one since. And actually, those financial numbers go back all the way to the 2003 census. So big advantages to the fran incoming franchisees um, versus the franchisor, but I'm, I'm okay with that. I like giving good opportunities to people. Um, but as for employees, uh, in my territory here in Southern California, we have five technicians. I also have a customer service representative and operations manager. Uh, my next business, te busiest territory is um, another one in Ventura. Uh, they have six technicians. Uh, and then I've got franchisees that still like getting their hands dirty. Uh, so my top producing franchisee in terms of revenue is in Florida. He's still out there getting his hands dirty, uh, replacing grills, cleaning um, cleaning grills, doing repairs, doing everything. And so it's him, his father-in-law, and one other guy cleaning. And they're, uh, they're my highest producing uh, in terms of revenue uh, amongst all my franchisees across the country. So uh, it kind of all depends on how the... Um, how the specific franchisee wants to run their business, how involved they want to be. For me, I don't have the time to be in the day-to-day -day, um, because right. I, I'm, I'm, you know, helping Nick recruit franchisees and supporting uh, the existing franchisees. Um, that's why I have the extra people, but it's been, man, it's been great. <laughs> Not to have to answer the right. phone and have someone really, really good doing it, probably even better than I am. Uh, well, Ray it's, it's would want to be out so there. Far. Ray would be out there fixing yeah. girls. <laughs> Yes. That's good. That's why I would, I would not own one because I would be out there. That's yeah. my problem. Yeah. He loves yeah. that stuff. So I know he yeah. would be out there. Um, I just got my message that we need to go to a commercial break so we can pay the bills. However, um, when we come back, Nick, I do want to talk to you because I want to know what you think um, now that you've come on board to help sell franchises and, and develop the model a step further. Um, I'd like to kind of hear your vision and how you think you're going to fit in and help the organization grow. So we'll be right back in just a moment after this brief commercial break. And a reminder, if you've got questions, you can call into 323-580-5755. That's 323-580-5755. Or you can live chat at thepillarsoffranchising.com. Hey, franchise owners. How is your local marketing do you feel like you could use some help keeping up with your social media posts and comments and reviews? Do you wonder if you could be doing more to attract local customers? Are you able to identify new movements to your local area? At Westvine, we help franchisees like you reach more local customers through digital marketing. With daily monitoring, creative content, and ad placement, and customer data intelligence, We'll get your business in front of the people who want your products or services. We also work with franchisors who need an agency to handle the digital marketing for all of their locations. If you're ready to reach more local customers, give us a call at 805-265-5440 or visit us at westvine.com. That's 805-265-5440 or westvine with a y.com. Laser tag. Okay, with that tag, Nick, you're up. Tell us, how do you think your uh, restaurant background 
um, has helped you and, and what do you see the future of Barbie Clean to be? Yeah, um, well, my restaurant background, you know, that's just kind of yeah. growing up, waiting tables and things like that. You know, really um, meeting Brian, you know, vegetarianism, veganism, it's all very faddish right now. And I kind of went the opposite track and went full carnivore. So I was always attracted to, to <laughs> grilling and, and um, that, that, that was always that. So that made it um, very easy for me to to like like what we were doing at Barbie Clean. And in terms of developing franchises, you know, I, we just want to make an irresistible uh, opportunity for people. And, you know, I, we're, we're going in the right direction with that, where we, by sort of um, having relationships with the major manufacturers for selling grills, I think that's an important component. People know they have backing of, of you know, these sort of significant organizations that, um, and, you know, that lending their brand name to us is, is always going to be helpful. Um, that's a, that's and a then, I don't want to interrupt you there, but you just said something that, that struck me. So are, are you partnering then with, so my favorite, I'll give them a plug because it's my favorite for years and years has been Weber Grill. So do you partner with companies like that? Um, is that what you mean yeah. by working with the brands? Yeah, I'll, I'll just jump in and answer that because it's closer to kind of my uh, area of expertise. Um, we represent uh, whether we have relationships directly with the manufacturers or uh, with local distributors, we can get any grill on the market for any one of our customers. Um, and they typically come with uh, real nice markups for or, or on our end, um, you know, real, real good, um, uh, like dealer pricing uh, that we get to where, you know, we'll replace a grill, we'll make $1,500, $2,000 for taking a grill out and dropping one in uh, and installing it. So we do, you know, we do grill, uh, obviously cleaning, uh, we do uh, repairs, parts replacement and then new grill replacement. If we show up at a grill and it's just shot and there's no, no help for it, uh, right. we'll recommend a, a grill replacement. We'll make a few recommendations and we can get those grills uh, for the customer and obviously install it for them so they could use a brand new grill in their backyard. I think that's a great service. I hadn't thought nor had I read anything about the grill replacement parts and things. And so I think that's really really helpful. I've got a friend that has a Weber, which of course, again, is my grill. And I'm like, oh, you can go buy all the parts for that. And then of course, like, well, what size of grapes do I need? And what size of, of uh, flavorizer buyers do I need? And I'm like, well, I think Home Depot has this and Ace Hardware has that. Next thing you know, you're going to three different places to get all the parts you need from Weber, or you have to go online and hope the heck you got the right pieces, right? So yeah, re repairs and replacements and, and full grill replacements have become a big part of our business over the last two to three years. It's been a good addition. Awesome. Awesome. I'm sorry, Nick. So take take me back here. So your vision, where do you see? Well, and then just 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 one other thing. I mean, another another part of it is is um, not only do we work with the manufacturers on the uh, selling side, but also they call us for warranties, um, warranty calls. We're sort of partnering with them to kind of handle their sort of field work that they have to do. Um, being able to just you know explain to potential franchisees just what exactly they're getting with us, and I think. Um, there's an economic shift that's happening now in towards the home service space, a, sort of away from retail space. COVID has accelerated that. We think we're really kind of on the cutting edge of that transition and just being able to crystallize that for franchisees, show them the vision for the future, um, which, which is coming. So it, yeah. it's, it's all a matter of explanation of, uh, of, of an occurring phenomenon. Well, I totally appreciate that because I can see the, you know, 
as the generations change, right? So my dad's generation, for an example, would go out and completely tear the grill apart, clean everything, and then put it all back together. My generation looks at it and goes, okay, well, I'll pick up a couple pieces and hope it works. And after two or three tries, if it doesn't work, I'm going to go buy a new one. I think my kid's generation is like, oh, it doesn't work, throw it away and buy a new one, right? So having you guys there where I can say, hey, my grill's not working. Can you just come and tell me what's going on with it? You may be able to fix it with a cleaning. You may be able to fix it with cleaning and a couple of place repartment, uh, place parts replacements, excuse me. Or you may be able to say, we got to get you a whole new grill. And so I think that's a really great service that you offer. And um, that's certainly one thing that I would um, probably highlight in your marketing material, because I think that's really for somebody like me being a female and not necessarily, I'm probably a little bit handier than most because my dad made me be, but a lot of us out there aren't real handy and aren't going to play around with a, a propane tank and a bunch of hoses and igniter switches, right? So I think that's actually a really great idea. So and yeah, we, we do all that stuff. Actually, one of my technicians today on his way out to the home that he was working on, he stopped and, and got a propane tank because it was empty. And so that's something we do as well. It's not something we necessarily advertise. I know there's other companies out there doing it, but you know, it's kind of full service, whatever the customer needs, we're, we're here to help them with. Awesome. The, the, the thing is the service industry in general, it, it has been booming for a number of years. So you're, uh, you know, you're right at the cusp of this. I, I think the convenience, and it, it, when I think about when I bought my grill, which happened to be a, a Weber, uh, it's a, the Summit 670, the big six big one. Uh, yeah, the, the monster. And, the uh -huh. guy who bought the big one still knows yeah. the model. I have the silver <laughs> B, okay? So I don't have that whole Summit one that you have. But yeah. <laughs> when you own a Weber, you know. <laughs> being, being rather handy wasn't difficult, but I, I was thinking putting this thing together, this has got to be a daunting task for people. and you know, who, you know, maybe he works downtown and, you know, he comes home, he's only got a couple hours to play with the kids, to put together a grill, it's going to take a half a day, you know. That's what we're here for. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you're, you're at the cusp of, 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 of something really great here. And yeah, I, I think I'd, I'd like to get into a little bit about the nuts and bolts about the franchise. Yeah. You know, what's it going to take to get a territory you know tell us uh, you know what are you looking for net worth and what are you looking for for liquid and you know, things like that yeah our franchise fee is thirty thousand uh, dollars in addition to that startup costs are um simply right around seven thousand bucks our equipment sets three thousand wow. dollars um you got to travel out here to southern california which oh, isn't sorry. too bad um yeah uh, so so a plane flight and a couple nights in a hotel um Obviously, you need to create an entity to, to buy the territory under insurance, you know, all, all things that probably aren't startup costs to most, including marketing. I recommend about $2,000 in marketing uh, as a startup cost. And I call it a startup cost because I don't believe you're in business until you start making money and you don't start making money until you start market marketing. And so I recommend about two grand and kind of a grand opening marketing blitz. And if that's done in a timely manner, uh, we expect for your phone to start ringing, you know, soon after you return home from training. And um, all in about 37,000 uh, bucks. We have a couple of uh, uh, lenders that help prospective franchisees with the financing if that's uh, something that they need. Um, but other than that, you know, kind of a low barrier to entry 
uh, yeah. as far as and, franchising and goes. Great, because uh, our last show, the entry was, let's put it, say it was on the other end of the spectrum. Well, it was a totally <laughs> different, it was a totally different kind of business. Yeah, it was, right? it I mean, was, but, but still. So it's the, always. The thing about the show is that we, we have, you know, yeah. people. All ends of the spectrum. Our audience yeah. is, is varied, you know, so. Yeah. yeah, this is great. This is great. I, I'm actually, you know, more and more intrigued by this than I was when we started because at first I'm like, okay, we're gonna clean barbecues. All right, well, how did that and I think about how does that sit like on top of a business like mine or Ray's? Like how could you incorporate that in? And then mm -hmm. as we talk about all these other, I'll call them add-on or extra services, I'm like, hey, now this is pretty slick. So do you know right now, do you have anybody down there in Huntington Beach? I asked I'm, for that's, another. That's where I'm at. Yeah, that's where I'm at. I'm oh, close. To well, Huntington I can't Beach. pass that along to Mario then. Well, that's yeah, another but, one. But just, just to kind of um, shine a light on what you were just talking about, um, we do have a couple, a few franchisees that came over from other um, uh, existing franchisees that came in and added this on. And, and people think when they add on a business that, oh, I've got you know a couple thousand customers that that trust, know and trust me and and I'm going to get them to use this other business. And that that's true. That'll happen. But I like the inverse um, side of it. The fact that you have now have this other opportunity, Barbie Clean, to advertise, which is very niche. You don't have to work real right. hard. You don't have to do any, diff any um, you know, um, price drops or any of this stuff to bring people into the house. You're going to get brand new customers with a niche opportunity, earn their trust doing this. And then turn them on to your existing business, whether it's, you know, house cleaning or window cleaning or whatever sure. it is. I see the inverse side of that being even more attractive um, than simply advertising to your existing customers uh, with this new service, new ex exciting service that you have to offer. So I think that is, um, I think that's a really great way to look at it. One thing I would ask you um, on that is because it's such a niche business. And one of the things that um, I communicated kind of back and forth with you guys on via email was, Tell me about the kind of support that you give to your franchisees um, kind of before, during, and after the opening. Because obviously when you're dealing with a niche um, environment and you're dealing with people who buy a franchise, not all of them are marketing experts. Not all of them know how to go out and dig through data to determine within a certain territory of say semi-affluent clients or potential clients how to market. So can you tell me a little bit about how you support franchisees in that process? Sure. Um, obviously, it starts uh, uh, prior to training. Once they, uh, once they sign their agreement, um, I have an onboarding checklist, all the administrative things that a franchisee needs to do before they get into business. I prefer they do that prior to coming to training. So like I said, when they get home from training, they're able to jump in uh, and start answering the phone and, and building the business. Um, then they come to training. Obviously, it's a um, we, we do everything from starting the business, growing the business, being efficient in the business. Um, we spend a lot of time, obviously, on marketing, sales, sales pitch, and then the technical side. The second day, we go out and we we clean a couple grills um, and we show some repairs and, and show how to replace grills and and really everything that they need uh, to run the business. But um, as far as the marketing side and the support side. Um, Again, uh, like I said earlier, it, for me, it's about building awareness. It's about getting into as many mailboxes in front of as many people as possible um, so that they can learn about a, a brand new business that they've never even heard of. Um, when, when people call us, our, our um, conversion rate, uh, when people call us, is somewhere between 70 and 80 um, percent because they're not pricing us. They're not trying to find out what our price is and moving on to the next. They're mm -hmm. saying, holy moly, there's someone who cleans grills. I'm going to call them. And if the price fits into their liking, they're our customer. 
Um, right. and, and so, you know, whether it's direct marketing, uh, the, the post office has a great program now, now where we can really narrow yep. down to specific routes. Um, EBVM, that, that, right? That we, use yeah, it. yeah, it's great. Yep, my we, favorite. <laughs> we all use it and it's great. Um, you know, direct marketing, we've got full suites of marketing materials that the, the franchisees can use. Um, and that's kind of how we go about, and then obviously networking, uh, whether it's uh, other service professionals, apartment complexes, there's, it's just an endless um, uh, opportunity out there to bring in new customers. Um, and then as far as support goes, we have our own proprietary database management software that we created from the ground up specific for Barbie Clean. And the, the point of that obviously is just to make it as efficient uh, for, us, our, for our franchisees as possible. And, and it works great. Everyone uses it um, on a daily basis and it keeps everybody very organized. Um, um, I, office, I offer uh, just kind of business coaching, business support mm -hmm. on a monthly basis. I created a, a dashboard for all my franchisees to where we have uh, um, a goal. We do have a goal setting exercise. And then obviously okay. uh, we track all the numbers and we talk about what they're doing, what they need to do, and then right. just kind of meet on a monthly basis to see how they're doing, how they're tracking with their goals, uh, what they need to do more of and less of to, to help them reach those goals. And I so that's, that's, awesome. a, that's a small, small sample of, of what we do to support our franchisees. Okay. Well, that's great. Well, we are going to have um, all of your contact information out there on our website. Um, is Would you like to please review with us the best way for people to contact you? Ray did a great job of getting, you know, so let's just say just shy of 40,000 kind of all in, is that fair to say, to get a Barbie Clean up and going? Yep, and of course a veteran's discount of 15% off the, uh, the franchise nice. fee, so let's say another 5,000 bucks or so. So yeah, um, yeah, so yeah, uh, you know, 30, 33 to, to $38,000 depending on uh, veteran or not. Awesome. And tell us how, how uh, our listeners find you. Okay. Uh, our website is www.barbieclean, B-A-R dash the letter B dash clean franchising.com. Uh, or you can call me. Uh, my name is Brian. I'm the pre uh, CEO and founder. Um, you can call me. My phone number is 818-470-6350. My email is Brian, B-R-Y-A-N at barbieclean.com, B-A-R dash B dash clean. And Nick, if you want to give your information as well, uh, you can reach out to Nick as well. He'd be more than happy to walk you through the steps uh, on becoming a franchisee as well. Yeah, uh, of course. Uh, you can reach me, uh, cell phone, 949-304-3439, and email nick, N-I-C-K, at bar-b-clean.com. Awesome. Well, I wish you the best of luck at the baseball tournament. I will be at oh, another one you. yet again this weekend. So I know how that goes. And um, you guys, it's really been a pleasure having you on the show. I'm actually super excited about your model. And as we meet with franchisees, potential franchisees and franchisors, uh, we're certainly going to keep yours top of mind. And as some of these folks come through looking for businesses to buy, um, I'm excited to say that we've actually met you guys and we've got to talk about your business and that this actually sounds like a really great opportunity for people to get started. Thank you much for the, op uh, for the opportunity to be on your show and uh, looking forward to uh, hearing from you again and uh, seeing what this next three, five, 10, 15 years brings us. Yeah, nothing but success, I hope. Appreciate it. Right, okay, thanks. great. Thanks guys. thanks, guys. Thank you. And now, Fred, are we going to go Franchise Woman to is commercial. a bi-monthly digital magazine that empowers women as they navigate the franchising industry by providing relevant news, tools, advice, and inspiration. We are a resource for women who are seeking to own their own businesses, improve their existing businesses, find creative solutions, and take advantage of franchise opportunities. 
We feature women in the business who best exemplify our ideals and have something to teach our readers. In addition to our exclusive articles relating to the female entrepreneur, we also feature brands that are geared for women. Women have become the fastest growing sector in business ownership and have become a powerful, influenceable force fueling the economy. The Franchise Women will give you the news that is relevant to you to help you navigate the path of successful franchise ownership. By women, for women, and about women. We are the Franchise Woman. Join us today at www.thefranchisewoman.com. I am so excited about barbecuing. Now I'm getting hungry. That was, uh, that was incredible. Yeah. Like the more they talk, the more I'm like, oh my gosh, I really like this idea. This is really cool. Well, I, I, I love the broad spectrum of franchisors and opportunities that, that we have on the show all the time. But, but this one hit home on so many levels. I'm going to be honest with you. I haven't barbecued in years. And for two reasons. One, the main one is I got tired of cleaning the grill. So I told you guys that off the air early on. I threw my grill away because it was so disgustingly dirty. I don't even want, I, I never bought another one because I don't like cleaning it. Now, the other part of it is, the other part of it is, which we talked off the air, is I'm real picky when it comes to barbecuing. So it needs to be clean because I don't want the carcinogen, you know, floating around. So, so I'm sitting here going, Maybe I can start barbecuing again. That would be yeah. Hey, and not only that, you know, with your place down in Florida, they've got a franchise down there in Florida. Yeah, well, they might have two if, if I explore it a little bit further. They I was thinking longer. kind of the same thing. I'm thinking like, whereabouts in my neighborhood here could I do this? But actually, I want to move to the beach. So I should just wait until I move to the beach. And then I've got my outdoor living and all my neighbors have it. There we go. Yeah. There we go. I'm digging it. I'm digging it. Too bad, very, very great, taken. I think a very creative and very great and needed concept. So those of you listening, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I definitely look into it. Definitely, definitely. In, a, in a good low point of entry too. So oh, you're not kidding. You're yep, not kidding. awesome. Cool. So what do you got for us today, David? So I love this part of, of whenever I, whenever I come across managers or self-proclaimed leaders, it really, I shouldn't say it that way. I don't want to be cynical um but people in a position of authority where they are responsible for getting performance from others so they they use this word coaching and leadership and then managing and all these words as if they're all one thing and, they, and they're not even close to being one thing true coaching right. true coaching is the ability to get high performance out of people and the only way you can do that as the title says quit telling them and start asking them I hear so many times I hear, I hear managers and, and, and um, ship leads or whatever you want to call them, people in authority, this sentence, right? Or a version of it. Mm-hmm. I already told them, I already told them what to do. I don't know why they aren't doing it. Ooh, or I've already told them this. I don't know why I have to keep telling them over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. And to me, I always chuckle. That is such a deflection of a statement. That's, that's a reflection on you as a person trying to get performance out of your staff. So if they're not responding, yeah, not the people. That's right. Time to take a look in the mirror. That's right. And so they, so the first thing they do then is they, they give me this head nod when I start talking to them as if, 
they're already doing what they're supposed to be doing in motivating people. And I tell everybody, I says, I said, you, are you really good at motivating others? And they'll say, well, yeah, well, no, you, you can't motivate anybody against their will, right? So everybody though is motivated to do what they want to do. Right. Everybody's motivated to do what they want to do. So you get in this mode where people just tell people what to do, tell people what to do and tell people what to do. And then they wonder why they're not getting great performance. So I'm going to take this in a little bit of a turn of little, little different um, approach. Okay. So when I tell everybody, you know, you have to stop telling people what to do and start asking questions. And they don't really understand what that means. But the, the key to it is, is when you're doing that, when you, when you ask the proper questions in kind of a, a coaching setting, which you know, is a skill that can be learned, okay, I'm not, you know, that's what I taught all my managers. When you, when you, it's a skill that can be learned, it, but, it, but you create what I call subconscious commitment from the person you're trying to extract performance from. And I don't care if it's an athlete. I don't mm -hmm. care if it's, a, if it's a person working in the kitchen. I don't care who it is. Everybody has... Everybody makes their decisions. Everybody, you know, is driven. Probably 95% of their actions are driven by their subconscious mind. So if you can't right. influence at the subconscious level, you'll never maximize the other person's performance. Mm -hmm. Okay. So it's a skill that can be learned. There isn't a baseball team that I haven't been asked to help coach or coach myself that hasn't won a championship. There isn't a team that hasn't gone from last place to a championship. There isn't... Um, a restaurant that I haven't, that was about to be closed or shut down that we haven't turned around. And everybody said, well, how'd you do it? And I said, through the, through the team. But you have to be able to influence performance. So I'll give a, people are probably going, okay, you keep talking about this. So how do you do right. it? Right. Well, part of it, you have, you have to know who you have working for you, right? Kind of. Doesn't matter. I mean, well, I mean, everybody's motivated a little differently, right? Everybody's so bingo. So they're motivated a little bit differently. So the only way that you can, there's, there's two things. The very first step, it's just like you said, it starts with knowing the personality traits and what makes them tick first. So that's easy because you need to be able to make that connection. But when, but then after that, say you want a task done and this, Chris, and I thought I'm thinking of you also, but because you have similar employee base that we had when we were running restaurants. Right. So one of the things we used to, our managers used to go crazy on is bussing tables or what I should call pre-bussing the tables because nobody wants to sit there with a bunch of stuff, half-eaten food or empty or, you know, eating food and empty plates, all that stuff sitting on their table. Yep. But servers don't get paid a whole lot of money for pre-bussing. They get paid running around, right? So, That's you know, right. getting orders and upselling and selling more drinks. So... Pre-busting was always an issue. So finally, I, this one particular restaurant, I said, look, I said, how are you done? Well, we're telling them we got a pre-bus, we got a pre-bus in their pre-shift meetings. I said, let's flip mm -hmm. it around. I said, telling them what to do is going in one ear and out the other. Right. I said, so you've got to be able to ask them. So you, so you start with, in this particular case, hey, what do we need to improve on? Or, or you start with the premise. You know, We need to improve our pre-bussing. So when you've got the service in there, so how can we do that? What are some things that we can do to make sure that our guests are taken care of, which, now I'm some magic words, 
which if they're happy will also increase your tips. So what are some things that we can do to make sure that we solve this problem? Right. Now what happens is Susie server says, well, I think as we're walking by a table, if we see something, even if it's not our table, we grab it and walk in and then somebody else chimes and then somebody else chimes in and, and, the, and the manager of the facilitator is like, and what else can we do? And what else can right. we do? And what's happening is the subconscious is being enacted. And as they're thinking and they're mm-hmm. drawing that information out from their subconscious to their conscious through their lips, they've made a commitment. Yeah. And that's great because you didn't have to tell them. They told you what they're going to do. And guess what? That every time they, and that's just that particular thing, but it doesn't matter what the problem is. That particular situation, pre-busting wasn't an issue the whole shift. The manager didn't have to mention it. Just they were able to concentrate on other more important things. Thank mm-hmm. you. Yes. And the point being is you do that with everything. I and, think that's a really good tip. And it's it's a great tip. It's a skill that needs to be learned because you have to ask questions and the right question. It starts with listening. We talked about that many episodes yep. ago. Um, and there's certain questions you want to ask, you know, open-ended question, the how. How can we do something better? What are some sure. things we can do? The one question that people love to ask and they need to stop asking this or start, you know, start with this word. They need to stop. Stop starting a question with the word why. Okay, tell me about that. Yeah, if you're in an authoritarian position and you ask an employee, hey, why are you doing it that way? They immediately get on the defensive. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, and they get defensive, like, oh, you're questioning me. I'm not going to commit to anything. So, hey, (laughs) I noticed this this happened. You know, what's another way we can do it? How can we improve on this? Blah, 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 blah. If you definitely need to ask why, then soften it by using the words. I'm going to give you a big tip here. Write this down. I'm curious, right? I'm curious. Why would something like, why, why would you do something? I'm just curious. Right. That takes the defense off, but I would still say that's the last resort. Yeah, anyway. I think that's a real good point. And you know, one of the things we've talked about, David, and it's, I know it's uh, between you and you and Jerry, um, something that we've talked about, and I know it's going to be an upcoming topic is about having effective meetings. And even just these brief, moments that you have of coaching and and talking with your employees that may mean as a leader that you need to take the pre-busting topic and really mull it over a little bit and decide how are you going to pose that to your team so that you're not asking why so that you're not getting defensive responses right that's that's why a lot of times you can't just fire first and ask questions later later right it's have a little bit of thought before you go out to meet with your teams. And, and it's a skill set. And it's and, and the only it's just like any skill, the only time, the, the only way it can you can develop it is to use it, to do it, to be conscious of it, to be aware of it. And it takes time because most people in management positions are used to telling people what to do. Yeah. Tell, tell, yeah. tell, tell, tell. I would say it's ask, 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 ask tell is more of a training hey this is what we have to do and then ask us how are we going to get it done again i go through a whole thing in that program when, when i do some personal coaching with people but but that's a that, that's at least some tips to say hmm okay here's some things i can use right away if you really want to become adept at it let me know right but and, and then we can we can go down that road with it but but that 
that is what I see, especially a junior manager who just gets promoted because they they were promoted because they did a great job. They're great at their skill. Doesn't necessarily mean they're great at motivating and leading others. That's a great so point. So this is a skill that they're they need to they need to develop if they want to continue to motivate and get high performance out of the people they lead. That's awesome. That's I think that's I actually you can that's tell I'm awesome. passionate about it because it's I love it. I see it. <laughs> I know. I, I it works, and it's not. It, it's a persuasion technique. I'll, I'll leave it at that. It's a persuasion technique. But when I say that, sometimes people go, oh, you know, you're, you're manipulating people. No, you're persuading them to do the job that, that they're getting paid to do, and they want to be successful at it also. Yeah, and in a respectful way. As yeah. always, David, thank you so much for, for being passionate about the things you do and for sharing them all with us here on the show at Explosion well. Franchising. Absolutely. You're welcome. And here we have Mr. Jerry Akers. Hi, Jerry. You're on mute. You're on mute. Yes, you are. I am such a great uh, participant in this that I respect everyone so much. I don't want any uh, yeah. outside noise to cause problems. So uh, I'm sorry. You I mean like to my come microwave? Off. How are you today, Kristen? <laughs> I'm good. Yeah. I'm good. <laughs> It looks beautiful there. You're in the trees. You must be at the lake. I am at the lake, and I was thinking Barbie Clean would be great. I'm different than David in that I barbecue almost every night and sometimes twice a day. Nice. But I'm just not sure I'll be able to get anybody to drive out in the middle of nowhere to take care of my barbecue. I'm, I'm a little uh, uh, picky about how it's taken care of. Not that Barbie Clean wouldn't do a great job, but uh, I already do a lot of it. And uh, I want to tell you that concept is phenomenal. Uh, I, I think uh, Brian and Nicholas have a great thing going on there. I'm really excited about it. I want to follow it and make sure I see how it goes. So uh, yeah. great having them on the show, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's always fun um, to, to hear those stories. Yeah. Uh, and another thing, uh, David and I, if you ever get us in a room, talking leadership we're going to be there for days because we got lots of stories to tell you know he talked about turning around restaurants and a lot of the acquisitions in our business that we've done uh, we've doubled the volume in in uh, a year and tripled it in four years and it was almost a hundred percent through uh, building leaders and turning the reins over to them and just keeping them between the rails and coaching them to ask the right questions and lead the yep. right way so, I mean, I, I'm, I love listening to David and uh, love telling stories based on what we talk about. I think that's awesome. And, you know, it's really crazy, too, because when you join a franchise system, that's the one piece, right? Like everything else is laid out for you. But a lot of times how to, how to deal with people, how to coach, the leadership piece, those pieces are often left out of the whole process in franchising. So I think that's a big a big area that could always use improvement. And I think that's why you guys have such valuable um, information to add to the show for people who are looking to go into franchising. So what do you have for us? Well, today? you're right, franchise. Well, go yeah, ahead, let's, let's talk about, you know, potential franchisees don't know what they don't know because they're just getting started. Um, so I'm gonna spend the next few weeks talking about components of the process of uh, looking for a, a franchise and going through step-by-step -step process so that, you know, I think uh, potential franchisees are going to learn a lot and be better prepared to go through that process. And even 
uh, I think existing franchisees with a little experience are going to listen to some of this and go, gee, I wish I'd have thought about that when I went through the process, you know, so I'm not going to do it necessarily sequential. Okay. Um, well, we because don't do I don't anything have to, se- I can pick the- Yeah, we don't do anything sequential or normal here. No, no. Right, and right? It's, we just don't. You know, when, no, whenever they get the information, they'll figure out a way to use it. So I think it's all good. So today I'm going to talk about Discovery Day. And awesome. I think Discovery Day is the most phenomenal piece of the lead up to being a franchisee and uh many people don't know much about it they don't prepare for it and those kinds of things so i want to give a little insight into that today so if you're a potential franchisee you may not even really know what discovery day it is so for lack of a better term i always talk about it uh, with potential franchisees as your first opportunity to meet your new partners i think because your franchisor yeah your franchisor is a partner with you in some way, shape, or form. So here's what you're going to have. I want to go through this in a little bit of a stage type thing. And then, um, you know, you're, you're going to have chosen your franchise model, whatever franchise that you think you're going to go with. And then you're going to get invited. You're going to go through the FDD and you're going to sign off on that. And there may be a few other steps. And then you're going to go to a discovery day. And -hmm. in the world we live in today, some of them are virtual or some combination of virtual and in person. So uh, keep that in mind as you're getting set up for this because uh, it's still in a little bit of a flux right now with the pandemic and so on. But one way or another, you're going to have a discovery day. Jerry, now, do you think do you think that one way, I know this is hard to say right now, and in some ways we just don't have an option, but in what you've experienced so far, do you think that one way is more beneficial than another? Well, they both have a lot of advantages. Um, I think it's more beneficial doing it in person, to be honest with you, because, mm-hmm. you know, you're face to face, you technically have a different vibe, uh, you, you think of different questions and so on. I think face to face as opposed to virtual, but of course, virtual is quicker. You're not flying to a lovely Southern California in the case of uh, Barbie Clean or, uh, you know, across the country, depending on where your franchisor is. So you, right. you will not have two or three nights in a hotel. You won't have uh, food expenses, maybe a rental car. You won't have uh, airline flights and those kinds of things. So it'll be less expensive to do it virtually. But in my opinion, if you choose to move forward after Discovery Day and become a franchisee of this model, having spent time with the leaders of that franchise group face-to-face is an opportunity to create a relationship with them that is missing through a Zoom meeting. It's not the same. So I'm a big proponent of face-to-face. And as soon as, you know, the different franchisors get to the point where they're comfortable doing that again, I would suggest that, you know, um, at minimum, they do at least part of a day that way and maybe uh, and maybe a full day, depending on what their thoughts are. Okay. So one of the things I see... Um, is that franchisees don't go to these meetings prepared at all. They show up to be entertained and educated and those types of things. But the fact is you're meeting your new partners and this is a 50-50 thing. They wanna put on a great front for you and they wanna give you lots of great information, introduce you to the right people and allow you to ask questions. Well, if you go to that meeting not prepared to ask questions and you're doing it on the fly, you're not going to think of all the questions that you need to ask. You're not going to have follow-up things that you do with it. And, uh, you know, I like 
to sit in a room and see how the leaders of a franchise model ask, answer the questions because you can pretty easily decipher and figure out whether they're, um, you know, whether they're really prepared to help you in that category or not. I've seen so many people, let's fake it, face it, franchisees come from all backgrounds. And I don't care what the franchise model is. You can go find people that come from sales, marketing, IT, uh, the technical side of something. Maybe they were a blue collar worker all across the spectrum. Right. So every one of those categories is going to think of this and look at it differently. So they've got to prepare ahead of time. They, in my opinion, should have a list of questions and comments and maybe even complaints about the way that they see this playing out or the way they see themselves being in it. So first mm -hmm. step is prepare for going through a day or whatever it is of the, um, of the discovery day, because mm -hmm. when you're prepared, you're going to leave that more satisfied, better prepared to take the next steps. Okay. So for me, that would be number one. The next step I think is to put your best foot forward because you know, many people go to these believing the franchisor has already decided on you as a franchisee. And that's not necessarily true in many yep. models. Yeah. So if you do not show up prepared, if you, uh, in my opinion, show up looking professional, um, I, think, and I, I think you stand a chance of not being representative of what you're going to be as a franchisee. You also... Yeah. You know, you're kind of, um, you know, trying out for a part, not only as the franchisee, but also perhaps as a future leader in that franchise organization on their advisory committees or yes. whatever the case might be. So making sure that you're able to express yourself and have the right conversations, I think is critical. Yep, I think mean, um, that's great. So putting your best foot forward, being careful not to come across as being the expert uh, because I want to tell you a story to help understand this. Um, when you talk about putting your best foot forward, I want to explain a story. I uh, sent in on a discovery day with a gentleman who was uh, in his past life had been a business consultant, a business coach, a trainer. Uh, he had done a little bit of everything and he was phenomenal at what he did. He showed up at the discovery day and when a vice president of some division or department of the franchisor made their presentation he would tell them their baby was ugly <laughs> he would say you know that's a kind of a good system but man i've got lots of great stuff i can help you with once we get involved in this i'll help you change all that stuff well the next day he found out he wasn't accepted as a franchisee because the franchisor didn't want to deal with that yeah yeah you don't they want to be the, squeak the squeaky wheel until you get in there and find out if you really need to be squeaky, right? Yes. <laughs> they believe they've got a great system. They spent lots of time and money developing it. And yeah. you can be a great resource for them once you become a part of the system and you've tried it and you've, you know, you've broken it. You, you, right. You've shown them the problems with that system uh, as a franchisee. And it'll be a different relationship and a different conversation. Absolutely. The whole, the whole dynamic of the relationship between the franchisee and franchisor change, not only post buy, but I think as you mature as a business owner, as you grow through different revenue levels, I mean, it, it's just, it's, it's so different. So I, I totally think that's a great, great point. Well, and, you know, after the situation happened, this guy desperately wanted to be a franchisee. So 
uh, he had to go through a whole different process to basically earn his way back on the island. When I see him, I talk about the fact he's the only guy I've ever met who was voted off the island before he even got to the island. So um, it's a good thing to take with them when they're thinking about this. So here's some things also that I would want them to be prepared for. Make sure that they understand what's expected of them as a franchisee. Not only the financial stuff that goes with this, but what kind of numbers am I responsible for? How will I be judged? You know, when when you send your uh, expert, whatever that position is within the company, out on a quarterly, semi-annual annual basis to make sure I'm following the system and, you know, my, mm -hmm. my facility meets your expectations, what is that visit going to look like? Right. And what are the what are the repercussions that come with that if it doesn't go quite well? So uh, I would want them to consider that. I want them to ask about what kind of support they will get because uh, it's critical to know when you get into it that you're going to have help when you run into a problem. And you will run into problems even as early as picking real estate, lease negotiations, uh, build out, all those kinds of things. You will need help. So who do you call? What are they going to do for you? How far will they go to help you with those kinds of things? Very important. Yes, absolutely. Um, so kind of to tag team that, what are the, what's the contact information for all the experts in those categories, whether it be, you know, real estate, construction, facilities, uh, marketing, uh, you know, uh, operations, depending on what kind of a organization you're with. So making sure you understand that, making sure you've got different questions for each of those people. And, and really in that discovery day, you should meet all, at least a representative of all those categories. You, you should read at meet at least one representative from every category you come, you're going to come in contact with. Yep. Um, theoretically, most of them that I've been to, you'll meet perhaps the president or the CEO of the company, uh, and, and they'll do a presentation on their background and, and the company and why it's a, a great investment, most kinds of things. And then you'll go through a process where you'll, where you'll meet maybe the head of each department that I just mentioned, you know, real estate, uh, facilities, construction, marketing, operations, whatever the case might be. So um, you will have, a, in my opinion, a one-time opportunity to be face-to-face -face with them, ask those tough questions to help you make your decision, but also be known to them. So when you do become a franchisee, when you call them with a question or a problem, they remember you, they're happy to take that call, they're perhaps more helpful than my friend who told them their baby was ugly um you'll be accepted I love that analogy <laughs> well and another thing that i want you to think about you know depending on the model you're looking at there may be future steps david talked about acquisitions we mm -hmm. continue to grow through acquisitions there's organic growth by adding on other uh, maybe other parts of your business or buying uh, uh you know building a new location or something like that so what does that look like um do you have expectations of me mr franchisor or can i just call you and say hey i'm interested in xyz and, right. and how does that process work because you may go into it only wanting to own one we did we wanted right. to own one today we've got 29 uh we're about ready to add 10 more and you know it's just going to keep going so right. um we didn't ask the right questions, so we had to learn it on the fly. Um, 
I'm a, I'm big on what ifs. So a potential franchisee going into those meetings needs to think about any stumbling blocks they might have to have to be successful and be able to say, what happens from your end if I get in this situation? Because then you know how it's going how they're going to react. Do they have somebody that will calmly work with you and get through that process, or are they going to, you know, throw the rule book at you or whatever the case might be? So uh, make sure you understand all of that. And frankly, the FDD is a great place to start with those what ifs, because uh -huh. in the FDD they will talk about anybody that wasn't successful. They'll talk about the high, low, and medium quartile of, uh, you know, current franchisees, so that you can talk about, you know, what makes the top quartile different than the bottom quartile and how do I make sure that my operation is set up to get into that top quartile? Some great what ifs that right, you can come right. up with. Okay. And so my last point, and then it, uh, we'll, you know, if you've got questions, we can go through that. But my last point is you've got one chance to make a great impression with those vice presidents and the CEO of the company. So make sure you're prepared to do that. And knowledge yes. is power. So make sure you've got the right questions and comments. I think that's awesome. I will tell you, and I talked about this once before too, you know, we kind of didn't know really what to expect. And, and our discovery day was at Disney World. So um, it, it, was, it was kind of chaotic. I mean, we had all the meetings, but, um, you know, especially at the time when we bought, it was a very um, close-knit family environment and things were very comfortable and laid back. And I think that, um, in a different environment with a different franchisor at a different time, it would have been very different. <laughs> you know, it's, I get it. Not every company can be that relaxed. <laughs> not every company is, you know, having cocktails and, and things each night. And so, and that, that, that also brings to light, you know, if you are at a discovery day and you know, they all tend to typically have cocktail hour, you know, just make sure that, remember again, this is the first impression and you want to make sure they will remember you. You may not remember each one of them, but they'll remember who you are. Yeah, you, you don't want to be the guy that they have to help back to the room at the end of the night because <laughs> you, you can't walk straight or something. So, yes. Um, <laughs> now, Discovery Day is a great opportunity. So I just want to make sure potential franchisees are prepared to take advantage of it and, and get the biggest, you know, outcome from it they possibly could. Absolutely. I think that's great advice. And Jerry, I look forward to seeing the next uh, group of suggestions that you have as, as folks weave their way through the franchise buying process. So thank you so much for, for getting this all ready for us today. I appreciate it. You're welcome, Kristen. Fred, are you taking us somewhere now? Yes, you are. Look at that. Oh, I'm sorry. Jerry was talking about FDDs, and it put me to sleep. Um, well, same on you. Hey, greatest cure known to mankind of the insomnia, the FDD. It's all good. So, new oh, background yeah. here. Oh, yeah, isn't that pretty this. cool? Yeah, there we go. Now we're all back. So... I, I really like this background, and it started making me think about the next generation of grills. I mean, now you've got propane grills and, and electric grills, and my favorite charcoal grills are just pure wood and, and kerosene. Wait, time out. 
Is Nick on the screen? Can we all see Nick? I want to say congratulations. Is that your sister in her graduation cap and gown behind you? Oh, yeah, Ava. Ava they congratulations. 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 You're now upside down in, in the rabbit hole. So. Sorry, next, I had to do it. Next generation grills, I think, will either be solar powered or n nuclear powered. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Given a nuclear-powered grill or a solar-powered grill, what will the technical capabilities of the future grill cleaning franchise need to be? Who wants to go first? Nick, you can you can take this, or you can run away. <laughs> So, sorry about that. Did I miss something? Nope. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So that was we'll, good, Nick. <laughs> we'll let Kristen go first. You know, this is what I get for always volunteering to go first. Um, well, I'm going to hope that it would be a solar-powered grill. Um, I think that's the best source of energy. I'm not really a fan of the whole nuclear energy thing. Um, and boy, what would we need to clean those grills with? I know you'd need oh, suntan lotion or sunblock. Well, to clean them? <laughs> yeah, what do you think? Don't we go back to when we were little kids and just get a big magnifying glass and just burn everything? That's a really good idea. I mean, if you want to go with the whole oil it up and burn it off, then why not use my favorite, which is baby oil? There you go. I mean... That's how I get my I can on. <clears throat> we'll, we'll start a whole new grill cleaning thing called Chernobyl. I like Ray's answer. I don't yeah. know, Nick. Are you going to be able to solve this puzzle? What would you do? Well, how would you clean a grill like that? I think if you just get right the, the perfect particle beam that doesn't affect the underlying metal, but just kind of burns off all of the, the char and everything like that. Um, it needs to be fine-tuned, but I, I think a particle beam is the way to go. Ooh. Well, you're a biology major, not a chemistry major, right? <laughs> particle yeah. beam. Yeah, I mean, plenty okay. of chemistry, Ooh. but yeah. Okay. I like I that. I like the idea I, of a particle beam. I'd sign up for one of those. I, yeah. I personally think phasers on stun. Phasers on stun ordered by Captain Kirk would take care of any solar grill issue that you'd have. Oh, sure. The one stupid screen I don't have the phaser on. Oh, well. <laughs> I'm going to have to add Nick, it onto this one. Okay. Nick, welcome to the rabbit hole. This is the strangest part of the program, and we just have so much fun with it. And I, always yeah, I was looking struggle. forward to this part. Okay. Yeah, I always you do. have a really good answer, too. I like the <laughs> yeah. particle beam. Last two weeks, uh, our, our guests have been kicking the asses of our of our co-host here, David. It's up to you to 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 you know. I already I already had a big magnifying glass. Burn that stuff right up. Oh, he her. did, and he oh, doesn't he even did. have a grill. I don't even have a grill. I just <sighs> remember using a magnifying glass to burn a lot of <laughs> a lot of other things. Uh, what about yeah. George Foreman, David? You at least have George Foreman in your house. 
You don't Particle know beam either? wins. I'm sorry. Particle beam win wins. Ready to go, Nicholas. Uh, yeah. All right. Hey. Well, the Barbie King guy should win, really. I mean, if we beat him, then, you know, we'd have to go buy a Barbie Clean franchise. Which is very I think he wants to do that. I think he wants you to do that anyway. So, you know, hey. I know. All hey, right. I was pulling for Mario. I was thinking that might be a good thing to introduce to him, but. Will? Well, yeah. Oh, well. You'll get it. So, folks, want to thank our guests from Barbie Clean. Barbie, Barbie Clean. Thanks to bit. Nick for hanging around and our coast. We'll be back not next week because, well, I'll be on the road visiting the grandkids and grandkids always win. Um, but we'll be back in two weeks with another interesting, educational, entertaining, and weird show. Whoop, 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 whoop.